It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson. It is Tuesday, and we have an amazing show planned for you today. Uh, In studio with me is Ron Phelps. Ron, you are running for Centennial City Council. Yes, I am. And it's great to have you here. Thank you. And so in the segments three and four, we're going to talk about some of these local issues. Uh, Local, it's so important. Uh, You know, we talk about... Uh, that we want local control. First and foremost, I think that, because uh, I was on City Council of Lone Tree, and I realized that I think the most local of all control is ourselves. You know, we need to make sure that we're taking care of uh, our little our little neck of the woods, and then we go to our communities. And there is a real... Um, there is a real assault on the American idea at the local level. We're seeing that, uh, in fact, right here in Denver, uh, Candy Sitabaka was elected, and she she actually uh, says she's a, a socialist communist. Oh, my. Yeah, so uh, what you're doing is really important, so thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to jump in here. Mr. Steve, Producer Steve, uh, it's great to have you here <clears throat> behind the boards. I always, uh, uh, you're my security blanket. When I look through the window and you're there, it's a good thing. Oh, my gosh. That doesn't speak very... Oh, hey. Anyway, I've got a Monday hangover, so I'll just try to... Okay, bear, Okay, jump in here whenever whenever you get through that, okay? But I yeah. uh, want to say thank you to you, Producer Steve, to Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for all the work that you do to keep this uh, train on the track. And thank you to each of you listeners. Last night, we did uh, our Nuts and Bolts event over at uh, Water's Edge Winery in Centennial. Uh, with Jason McBride and uh, his team there at Presidential Wealth Management. Lauren Levy was was there, and Lauren's going to be a new sponsor. He's in the mortgage business, as well as John Buckingham, who has been in studio as well. And uh, it was just really a, a great event last night. So many of you listeners were there. It was great to see you. Thank you. You are each treasured and valued, and thank you for listening. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, as we look at these issues, Ron, we look at them as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. And uh, we're finding that most Americans really like freedom. Yes, they do. Yeah, and I really like the way that you framed that, uh, the idea of of, uh, forcing what someone thinks is right for someone else upon them and maybe trying to modify behaviors. I think that there's a lot of issue there and a lot of concerns. (laughs) You think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Ron, first thing that we like to do is jump in with uh, a quote. And today is Constitution Day. Happy Constitution Day, Steve. 1787 is when it was signed. And to you. Thank you for bringing it to our attention and educating us. Well, and it's... Which leads me to, is there anything else going on later this week that... There is. Uh, it is U.S. Constitution Week up in Grand Lake. They do an amazing celebration a whole week. Uh, yesterday they kicked it off. Dr. Tom Cranenwitter was there. Uh, Rob Nadelson, who was on the show yesterday, will be up there. But on Friday, I'm going to head up, and uh, there will be a meet and greet with uh, Hollywood actor Kevin Sorbo. 
And uh, <clears throat> we're actually giving away four tickets. We're, we'll draw that after the show tomorrow. So if you'd like to sign up for that drawing, um, be sure and go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up. It will be for four tickets. The value is $300. And the meet and greet with Kevin Sorbo is on Friday night. And then on Saturday at the main event, you will get VIP seating. But it's going to be a great day on Saturday. There will be a parade, the VIP event where Kevin will speak. I'm going to be the MC. Uh, a fabulous music festival, Kansas City Barbecue, is going to be there, as well as then a fabulous fireworks display over the lake on Saturday night. Does that not sound great, Ron? Sounds like a great event. It Absolutely. is a taste of Americana. Absolutely. So anyway, so John Dickinson is a one of our founders, and people don't know that much about him. But it this I thought, and so he's my quotes today. He said. Um, Let's see, he's one of the signers of the Articles of Confederation, was also a member of the Constitutional Convention in 1787. Although John Dickinson did not personally sign the Constitution, he authorized George Reed to do so for him. And his illustrious career was also marked by service as president of Delaware in 1781. And this is what he said, and I think these are good words for today. He said, then join hand in hand, brave Americans all, by uniting we stand, by dividing we fall. And, of course, Lincoln said something like that, you know, about 70 or 80 years later. So our funny President John Adams, he said, In my many years, I have come to the conclusion that one useless man is a shame, two is a law firm, and three or more is a Congress. Those guys were so wise. Yeah, and they even had a sense of humor. Although, you know, I try to find, I'm like, humor of the founders. And it's a little harder to find than you would think. But I, I know that they had a good sense of humor. They had to. But to survive what they went through, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I think it was a holdover from our English heritage. Because I, even to this day, English humor is... It's dry. It is, and it maybe doesn't hit you over the head. Like, you know, some other form, slapstick or something like that. But it's still, what a gift. And, you know, and who, who was so good at it? Like uh, Winston Churchill. You know. <laughs> one of what was one of his lines, I think it was Lady Astor said to him, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea or something. And he said, and if you were my wife, I would drink it. I would drink it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, local government. And uh, state government, Ron Phelps, uh, there's a couple of things that we need to talk about in this first segment. And, uh, and Patty, you know, does such a great job on our research. And this is from PacificResearch.org. She said, the battle over progressive solutions leaves independent contractors on edge. In California, as the final week of the legislative session was winding down, the Senate and Assembly, in party line votes, approved Assembly Bill 5, which will codify the state Supreme Court's Dynamex ruling, leaving as many as 2 million freelance workers with an unsure future. Governor Gavin Newsom, who public endorsed the bill, you think, uh, over the Labor Day weekend, is expected to sign it. He says the bill won't outlaw freelance work, but by setting the bar to determine which workers can be independent contractors and which workers must be hired employees so impossibly high it will place severe limits on worker freedom. The public was told the rush to turn the Dynamex ruling into law was an effort to end, in the words of uh, Los Angeles Democrat Senator, uh, Senator Maria Alina Durazo, the corporate exploitation of hardworking Californians. 
But what could be more exploitive than using workers as political pawns to further the interests of labor unions, which are already counting the dues they expect to collect from the new hires? To overcome some resistance, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez-Fletcher, the bill's author, agreed to a few worker classifications. Now, Steve, okay, take a look here. Now we have government putting in a law, force, and then they're feeling there's going to be some pushback, so they peel some people out, picking winners and losers. So when we talk about force versus freedom, freedom versus force, we've got the heavy hand of government coming in and putting in these rules and regulations, and then they're peeling out and they're saying, oh, it doesn't apply to everybody. And Ron Phelps, as you know, when America was founded, Lady Justice is has, has a blindfold because we are all supposed to be equal under the law. And so right here we have a law that California is putting in, and then they're picking win- winners and losers. Steve, do you have a quick comment on that? No, but well, <laughs> you ask, and I start to respond, so obviously I do. I'm not thinking of anything directly but except for this issue that you and I have been talking about now for the last two months. The need to better illustrate both the freedom and the force aspects of these, you know, when we say, well, it's a freedom versus force, so much of the American electorate, the American population is is aware of neither. They're not sure what their freedoms are. They just take it for granted. This is, you know, this is the life I lead. And, you know, in terms of force encroaching in there, they're not really aware of that either. Okay. And where, and what this law, who this law is going after is Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, all of these kinds of little companies where it has been an amazing thing. I can't tell you how many people I know, entrepreneurs, that maybe they're doing a second job. Uh, they can pick their hours uh, and they can uh, decide whether or not they're going to drive that night for Uber or Lyft or do DoorDash. And it's really helped people to have that extra income, that that freedom to make that choice, Ron. And here we have California that is wanting to tap that down. And probably uh, what we see many times is big business and big government like each other because then they can come together. They can put forward rules and regulations that and I'm talking about the taxi companies here uh, that they can put forward rules and regulations then that will tap down that business. And uh, so this is very concerning of what is happening in California. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I've had a couple of opportunities to ride with an Uber or Lyft driver. And uh, there's one memory that I have very clearly of a single mom. So she's driving during the day when her kids are at school. And this is her way to be able to provide for them. So she's able to determine her own hours. She's on the clock whenever she wants to be. And she's off the clock if something happens in school. She's able to drive to school and and be there for her kids. So for this kind of... of, uh, what government imposing, as you say, choosing winners and losers, that's really going to harm someone in that kind of situation. Because if she's an employee, then, you know, you have to go through all the rigmarole to try to take, get some work, uh, time off work, and uh, you won't have the flexibility. And worker freedom is something that we really, really need to, to stand for, which rolls into something else. Uh, and Susan Kochevar, who is the owner of 88 Drive-In Theater, she had sent this to me a while back, and, and I had it in my brain, but I'm like, did this really become a law? Steve, this snuck through on us, and this was reported back in on Western Wire, which is, you know, Michael Sandoval, on August 1st. It says Colorado is moving forward with fees for Uber and Lyft riders to combat climate change. Now, again, I can't tell you how many people that I know are 
are driving for Uber and Lyft. It's it's giving them economic freedom, giving them economic choices. But here we have a governor and a legislature that is trying to get people into electric vehicles. So this is what happened. Uh, Western Wire says, in the wave of energy and environment legislation that passed through the Colorado General Assembly this year, one bill slipped through that received very little public spotlight. It's a proposal to charge a fee to customers of ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft to help combat climate change. That bill, Senate Bill 239, directs the Colorado Department of Transportation to study the technological impacts and changing business models within the transportation industry, specifically transportation network and peer-to-peer car-sharing companies. By the end of the year, the General Assembly is asking for recommendations on a series of fees, those are and fees, not taxes, and um, that would be charged to passengers who use these companies. These fees will aim to incentivize the use of zero-emission vehicles and multiple passenger ride-sharing. I'm going to stop right there. Steve, we are continuing to unpack this uh, zero emissions and low emission vehicles. Uh, that actually is a misnomer. There is, uh, it, it's misleading because if you take a look, we had um, Jonathan Lesser on from the Mackinac Institute that if you look at the complete uh, um, process of electric vehicles and you take a look at uh, having to re- uh, mine rare earth minerals such as lithium and manganese, for those batteries, and many times that is happening in very poor countries like the Congo, where children are actually mining those minerals by hand. If you take it into account, the whole thing, they're not zero-emission vehicles, and they're not, not low-emission vehicles. Again, this is something that they're using control to uh, try to, to mandate their political agenda, and they're taking away the freedom of people as they are you know, wanting to use these uh, Uber or Lyft and also taking away the freedom or or penalizing people if they're using internal combustion engines. Steve, quick comment. Well, they're only taking, when they try to sell this to you or to the public at large, they're talking about the the performance of the vehicle once it's here, the ZEV or the LEV aspects of it. They're not talking about what it took to get the vehicle here, or are they talking about the disposal of those batteries once they're defunct? Nobody's talked about that at all. I know we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but I wanted you to hear this. This is a a, um, direct quote from Will Tour, the director of the Colorado Energy Department. He said, the fees will be designed to incentivize electrification in multi-passenger trips, Tour said. So the details remain to be worked out. But the basic concept is that there will be one fee if it's an internal combustion engine vehicle. Now, think about everybody, Steve, that's using their vehicles now. An internal combustion engine or a vehicle that it's easy to go in and, um, you know, gas it up and then get back on the road and do your job instead of having to plug in for hours and hours. Uh, and uh, let's see, he said then there, with only one p- passenger. So there's a, a fee for an internal combustion engine with one passenger. There's a lower fee if it's a multiple passenger or electric and still a lower fee or maybe free if it's electric and multi-passenger. Talk about picking winners and losers and tapping down uh, a very vibrant part of our economy where people have economic freedom to make their choices. We all know, Ron had just mentioned to it, you have said it, I know of people, many people who are driving for Uber and Lyft, and I've been talking to them recently, they're... They have other problems with Uber and Lyft, things in terms of the way it's all managed and their driver safety and those types of things. 
they don't need additional fun and games going on. Challenges. Challenges that make it just less economical for them to do it. From the state of Colorado. So, hey, we're going to go to break. Uh, When we come back, Annette Jewell is on the line. We had her last week. She is a concerned citizen. And there has been a, uh, a developer that is trying to get a rezoning for some of the land out at Valley Country Club. They went to the city of Centennial. Apparently, the city of Centennial said no. Then they went to the Arapahoe uh, County, and they said no. Now they're over at Aurora trying to get Aurora to annex the property and then rezone it. And once again, we're talking about winner, picking winners and losers. So when we come back, we'll talk with Annette Jewell. This is Kim Munson. Ron Phelps, uh, candidate for C- uh, Centennial City Council, is in studio. We'll be right back. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me Ron Phelps, a candidate for Centennial City Council. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Thank you for stepping up. I really appreciate that because this is where the battle is in America right now is at local government. I couldn't agree more. I think at local government, all things hit us so closely, so uh, frequently as homeowners and even renters, but primarily homeowners with our private property, the things that we want to do in the city, how we uh, transportation, things like that, all are determined and uh, discussed at the city level. And so many people pay attention at the national level and things are so toxic there, it's hard to really understand what's going on and to participate in a positive way. So in the local government, planning and zoning, a lot of the boards and commissions, as well as city council, I think all of those levels, all of those entities are very valuable to make sure that our daily lives are are positive and uplifting. And we can thrive and prosper. That's right. So that's a great segue into our next guest. Annette Jewell is a concerned citizen. And she has been uh, watching a, an attempt to have a rezoning out at Valley Country Club and uh, uh, kind of eyes on the process. Annette Jewell, welcome. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. And good morning, Ron. Good morning. And it's been good to email back and forth with you, Annette. I appreciate the response you gave give back. Okay, Annette, what's going on? We got about five minutes. I know uh, there's a lot going on, but give us an update because you're keeping us uh, apprised of what is happening. Yes. Uh, So last Wednesday, uh, we went in front of Aurora Planning and Zoning. Um, They seemed to be uh, hearing what we were saying. Unfortunately, the vote still uh, went in favor moving forward. But in all fairness, Planning and Zoning frequently looks at, is this uh, 
correctly filled out? Was the paperwork done correctly? And, you know, yes, there were some concerns, and we appreciated them uh, recognizing that. And the fact that the planning and zoning commissioners came out on site to physically see what we're talking about. Um, we go in front of City Council this coming Monday, the 23rd, at their 730 um, uh, standing meeting and the concern you know there's a number of them but uh, Valley Country Club is a private entity and they uh, do not want to special assess their members to upgrade and update their facilities for their private members and that's the whole point of selling off this land is not to assess their membership now could they sell off that land for uh, ju- just pr- um, you know single-family homes Yes, they could sell it for any number of reasons. They're seeking rezoning for multi-use commercial, and at this point the developer, Avalon Bay, is proposing 400 or more um, high-density housing units, uh, apartments, and the reason for that is the justification is it will support Corner Star and Arapahoe Crossing uh, retail centers, and our argument back is if the case for retail closures of brick-and-mortar stores was lack of high-density housing, every strip mall in the area would be trying to stick high density right next to it. So unless they're going to ask an affidavit from every resident to sign that they will not online shop, we don't see the logic. Uh-huh. And there's all kinds of traffic issues on this, right? Yeah, Safe- this- and safety issues. Exactly. This is at the intersection of just immediately west of Parker and Arapahoe Roads. Currently, you know, 60,000 cars, I can't remember the exact time frame that they're traveling, if that's daily or just the morning and evening commute, but it's quite the uh, exciting intersection, and um, there's plenty going on out here already to add the high-density issue to load onto Arapahoe Road's morning commute, as well as the proposal for right-in, right-out. A turn is right in the middle of an acceleration lane to leave Centennial Center's uh, commercial property. So as people are merging westbound on Arapahoe, they would have people coming over to make a right turn into this development. Wow. It seems to me like there's all kinds of safety issues there. And uh, once again, you know, this whole rezoning thing, I'm continuing to learn more about it. Uh, we've and, and I think that, well, actually, I've been reading a Blueprint Denver, which was passed back in April, uh, and it is really government control of almost every little square um, part of of Denver, and they continue to talk about rezoning. So I see something of great concern because this is changing the rules on the people that live around there right now. And so keep us apprised of what is going on with this, Annette, uh, because I think there's safety issues. There's issues regarding law enforcement so far out into Aurora. I'm not sure Aurora really should consider doing, doing this. I don't see what the benefit is. So keep us apprised on this, Annette. Definitely. And just real quickly, there's been flooding in the area without the 15 acres being paved with impervious fir- surface. And um, uh, the mayor of Centennial's home was badly damaged from a June a rainstorm. And that's all downstream to this development. So as we know, you cover uh, arable land with impervious surface and the water just moves that much faster. So it, safety, um, environmental concerns, and they haven't discussed a metro district or uh, looking at having it remain open space because the sale of the land would be considerably less. So it's uh, it's money-driven. Okay. Annette, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, we're going to jump over now with Andy McCann. Uh, happy Constitution Day, Andy. Well, happy Constitution Day. 232 years ago, just think of it, all those founding fathers, after a, a long summer of 1787 in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, all Well, three didn't sign because they didn't have a Bill of Rights, but most of them signed, and then, of course, it had to be ratified. But today's the, the day that the Constitution was signed by our founding fathers. So it's a great day to 
honor and celebrate our Constitution. Well, and Andy, you've almost made it your life's work to make sure that um, children and, and, and adults as well read the Constitution and understand what's going and what it says. Right. Well, that's my goal is to have everyone that's listening here to read, study, and learn themselves what's in the Constitution, and then to sit down and discuss it, read it and discuss it with their family, our children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, their you know siblings, whatever, and then to also discuss it with their friends, maybe coworkers like you at your where you are, and just have everyone and your network because people have such huge network with facebook and everything if everyone listening to this radio show were to do that and then spread the word to others it could become viral as we say in the modern term terminology and that's the goal because my famous thing is you don't have like any rights if you don't know them that's Good why point. you have the miranda rights when they arrest you you they have to read you your rights because people don't know them and that's a danger for the future. We're, we're still a great experiment. It's always an experiment. It's never a done deal. Our, our way of life has to be passed on to the next generation. And they have to believe in it and be willing to do whatever it takes to preserve it and protect it. Uh, well said. Now, Andy, you, how many constitutions would you say you, that you have given out over your lifetime? Do you have Probably 90? about three million, I guess. Wow. That All is across the country, yeah. That is amazing. And what is your website? It's now Liberty Lives Forever. That's my kind of motto, libertylivesforever.org. So if you do libertylivesforever.org, and you'll see we've we got a great, we've got a couple of great programs in a couple of states, well, Colorado, Utah, uh, Delaware we're updating, but I just got a major donation in Delaware. We're going to be distributing we have volunteers throughout Delaware. It takes months to pull this off that are going to be going into the schools, mostly ninth grade in Delaware. It depends on the state, but the goal is to have this obviously in all 50 states. So what I've learned over the years to do this is you've got to find somebody that's willing to commit. We don't have the funds to hire anybody, so you have to do it out of love of country and love of our way of life. And the people that I'm working with, that's what keeps me going. The people that get these books and I hear stories about what they're doing and, and, and their need to make sure that our, our young people know and understand what's in the Constitution. Today's a federal law that requires every school in America to do an education program on the Constitution. So my, my hope is that schools throughout the country are doing that. And that's elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and university. Well, that so all, all students. Well, that is <clears throat> that is fantastic, Andy. And again, what is your website? LibertyLivesForever.org. Anyone that wants to help, and you know anyone anywhere in the country that would like to help in their community, you know, it's Andy at LibertyLivesForever.org. That's my email. You can email me, Andy at LibertyLivesForever.org. And then, uh, you know, if you have people anywhere in the country, like I said, anywhere that wants to do something in their community. This is kind of a grassroots effort. It's always been that way. Well, you are a true patriot, Andy McCann. Thank you so much. Uh, keep up the good work. But thank you, Kim, for what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Let's jump over here. Jason McBride, what a fun event last night, Nuts and Bulls at Water's Edge Winery. Yes, uh, I think it was quite a nice time, and 
the folks that came seem to enjoy it, and uh, what a bunch of nice folks your listeners are, Kim. Thank you for your courteousness to well, everybody that was there. And Jason, you may not realize it, but I'm actually, uh, I'm a math geek, and so you had uh, uh, Jeff Hirsch with the Stock Traders Almanac there. I thought your presentation with him was absolutely fascinating. Oh, well, uh, that's good. I, I knew you were a geek, Kim. I <laughs> what, didn't know you were a math geek, but uh, that's quite a compliment coming from a smart gal like you, so I definitely appreciate that, too. Well, and I had people that said, when are you going to do another one of these? And and we'd like to do them regularly, but I don't think we're on an exact schedule. I think that when subjects come out, up that we think people you know, would learn something from, I think that that's probably when we're going to do those. But we, we will do some more because people were asking. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, the second one is actually tonight. Uh, we'll just do one every night. Kim. How's that? <laughs> I mean, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, surprise. Yeah, surprise for sure. So, so Jason, um, there's a lot going on. Uh, you would mentioned something about the drone attacks on Saudi oil. Uh, what what, are, what are you thought your thoughts on that this morning? Well, I think my the, the the biggest thought is, you know, thank goodness that we're energy independent. Right. Um, you know, back in uh, the days when we depended on oil imports from the Middle East or that part of the country uh, or that part of the globe, you know, you get an attack like this and. Uh, you know, we could be held hostage at the pump for months. Uh, you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, look, the price of oil shot up about 6 bucks a barrel yesterday, 13% or so. Uh, I don't know if that's translated to the gas pumps yet. I haven't gone up and gone out. I and saw driven, it a little bit. I, I did see a little bit yesterday. Prices were up. Yeah. But, but. Goodness gracious. I mean, what? how nice to be independent. Think about the flexibility that gives right. us. One, uh, we don't have to worry about our, our prices shooting up and staying up and being held hostage by countries that, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, don't like us very much. Uh, two, Kim, we don't have to go get involved in any war over there uh, to protect our interests or our gas prices. And number three, you know, if I know uh, President Trump, he's thinking, boy, how could our oil companies make a profit on this? Um, yeah, uh, the Middle East is probably going to be short on oil for a while. We'll sell them some at a highly inflated price and uh, let them know how it felt to us for all those years. <laughs> One other thing, though, Jason, Senate Bill 181 that passed here in Colorado basically is 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 preventing new oil and gas development. So it it's just belies reason to me that we right here in, in Colorado, which we can be a, a great energy producer, that we are using public policy to shut down that complete industry when it is so critical to everyday people, Rod and Phelps, everyday people being able to thrive and fro- thrive and prosper. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important. Yeah. So, Jason, I just I just don't understand what's going on here in Colorado. But thank goodness, as you mentioned, the U.S. is energy independent so that we don't have to uh, get get involved over there uh, with what's going on because we are energy independent. So that's a real blessing. Yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be a little bit less energy independent if uh, 
our legislation continues to do what they're doing, or the business will just go elsewhere. Uh, you remember that movie? Uh, there was a movie called There Will Be Blood, and uh, it was about the old oil uh, guys. And, uh, you know, the guy was talking about sideways drilling and how he, he went into somebody else's property from underground and sucked all the oil out. Well, there might be a giant sucking sound going up towards Wyoming <laughs> if, uh, you know, these guys don't figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> you are always one step ahead of everything, Jason McBride. So, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, it was great to, to do the event with you last night. And it was really wonderful to have John Buckingham and Lauren Levy there as well. Yes, John had some great comments. Uh, we need to get him to talk more often. And one other thing. So, Natalie, you know, we were giving out your phone number over at Presidential, 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And Natalie, you know, runs the, the, the boards there. And I said, hey, Natalie, I've been giving your phone number out on the air. And she looked at me and she said, I've been getting some odd calls. I said, no, Presidential, not your personal phone number. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, anyway, thanks so much, Jason. We will talk to you tomorrow. All right. Have a great show, Kim. Will do. And in studio, Ron Phelps, we're going to focus on what you think is happening at local government, why you are stepping forward. And uh, so we'll be right back. This is Kim Munson with Ron Phelps. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. This week at the 88 Drive-In, keep your windows rolled up and your vehicles locked because things are about to get creepy. Friday the 13th through Thursday the 19th, see three scary movies for $9. It, It Chapter 2, and Scary Stories. Monday through Thursday, get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot, along with two 16-ounce sodas, all for only $12. Sip on some hot apple cider, along with a sweet, crunchy churro. We're open seven days a week, so get directions now on the 88 Drive-In Facebook page or 88drivein.net. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. Let's have a conversation with Ron Phelps, who is running for Centennial City Council. Great to have you in studio. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. This is so important, what you are doing. Typically, I I think many people, the hardworking, everyday people, have, have not stepped up to run for city council because they're busy with their lives. They're busy with their families, busy with their businesses. And what has happened is that we have seen uh, many times that people that are now in city council like bigger and bigger government. And that can be from both sides of the aisle. And in essence, uh, in, being in government is to try to protect people's rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, you know, keeping the peace, doing some of the basic things that are necessary so that people can go about their lives. But we see government getting bigger and bigger. So why are you running? 
Well, there are a variety of reasons why I'm running. Uh, you've touched on a lot of it, having to do with those things that impact us on a daily basis. And I think that's largely invisible to most people because, as you said, they're involved with their lives. They're working. They have families. They're trying to work through the, the variety of concerns and priorities that they have. And a lot of the things that city government does, I don't think they understand or recognize that city government is the entity that has the governance over the zoning laws or transportation or roadways, et cetera, um, the retail centers, uh, what is possible and how to invite that type of business that will attract good business, um, those uh, retail or commercial things that folks don't want. Uh, when those start to surface onto the radar screen, people start to pay attention, but then they retreat back mm -hmm. into, their, um, into their lives, and that's understandable. Um, I lived... Uh, very much on outside of city government as I had my family. I'm a grandfather. I've got six grandkids. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. And I've got uh, the two newest ones are twins. They were born in March. Oh. Uh, to a daughter. Somebody's busy. <laughs> yes. My daughter and son-in-law, uh, uh, they're, they're older. They're in their 30s. Uh, son-in-law's a little you know, on the higher side of the 30s. And so to begin parenthood with twins... Uh, Nobody could prepare them. How, how can you prepare anybody for parenthood but for twins? Yeah. So I, out of all those kids, I uh, had a daughter that graduated from Arapahoe High School. We moved into Centennial, uh, my family uh, and I. We moved in in 2003. Uh, we've moved away, uh, but we're back. Uh, we love being there, and it's important to me in that community, um, especially with some of the big issues of the campaign, that there's someone there that will bring a voice to the residents who – moved there decades ago, unincorporated, Arapahoe County, you know, Littleton. Mm -hmm. um, and they moved in, and they wanted to have some liberty to what they did on their property. They wanted to be able to make choices about um, the homes and what they built or didn't build on their lots, et cetera. And they want to hold on to that. And the founders of the city back in 2002, that was part of the selling point of the city, that they wanted to provide some governance to kind of protect some of the retail areas from being swallowed up by some of the neighboring municipalities mm -hmm. with the promise that there would be limited government. There wouldn't be a brick-and-mortar government as we all would mm -hmm. typically think of. And since then, so what has that been, 18, almost 18 years now, that's slowly been chipped away. And uh, as you alluded to early on here, that those who get involved in city government and city council and some of the other uh, roles that are there and staff, all well-intended people mm -hmm. uh, wanting to do what most of us would want to do. We want to help other people. If someone comes to us with a problem, we want to fix it. We want to help them. Um, so how do we do that? Well, we need money to do that. Well, how do we get money, taxes and fees at the local level uh, to provide those funds? And so we, then we want to go out and we want to address people who have issues with my neighbor is behaving badly. Mm -hmm. We want a parent to come in and take care of that for us. Much of the discussion in last night's city council meeting had to do with this, th these kinds of concepts. What do we do when someone is not behaving the way that we would like them to behave? And multiple residents spoke up in public comment to say, well, let's try to continue to build a community together and in our neighborhood where we can talk to one another. So uh, a lot of great things were discussed last night, and we can get into that. Uh, but to go back to where you originally asked me, why am I running there are some important issues that I've talked about, but also just from the family values and quality of life, opportunity to give back and serve in the community. I'm an Air Force veteran. I've tried to serve thank and you. thank you. Mm -hmm. I've tried to serve in 
in any capacity that I can wherever I've lived. So Arapahoe County and Centennial, but lived for a time in Colorado Springs, my hometown. I was born and raised there. Uh, my wife and I, we spent some time in Virginia caring for her dad, um, both her parents, and um, had an opportunity to kind of get a look in a, inside a nonprofit uh, substance abuse provider um, who was providing uh, care and uh, at a lot of different levels to those who had substance abuse issues. And I have a personal family members who have struggled with those kinds of things. So, again, those are the reasons why um, I'm running, among many others. You know, Ron, <clears throat> I served on city council <clears throat> in Lone Tree for four years, and uh, I learned a lot. And one of the first things, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, uh, and uh, also going through, uh, we're doing Vino and Veritas with Dr. Tom Cranwitter over at Water's Edge Winery, uh, and then we have one in Castle Rock and one in Fort Collins as well. But a study of the Federalist Papers, and one of the first things, as you mentioned, people get on to city council, well-intentioned, staff well-intentioned, but they do think that that they are the parent uh, or, you know, want to fix things. The first and foremost of any government official, bureaucrat, is to make sure that we protect these rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Now, you alluded to, certainly we hope that it can be done within the context of good manners, of being a good neighbor to your neighbor. But we see, and I mentioned here, you said you want to prevent a citywide HOA. And I was president of our HOA on a couple of different occasions. And, and HOAs can get a little out of control on you know, just the rules and regulations. They want to keep the neighborhood looking great. But there also has to be, you know, people have different tastes. There has to be some freedom in that. So that is really tricky. How would you address that? Well, and it's a, it's a phrase that's a hot button, and it came up last night, and someone on uh, the elected officials commented on this. They are defensive to that term of a citywide HOA. And so let me start, if I can, just to touch on that a little bit. Uh, when someone is interested in buying a home and we go through a real estate agent, um, we will gather from whatever entity has these documents, the CCNR, which is the covenants and uh, conditions and restrictions, what's going on in this property. So if there's an HOA, civic association, whatever there may be, we want to understand what that is. So we retrieve those documents and we read through those. In an HOA, and I'm on the board of my HOA, we have um, a lot of guidelines, a lot of rules, a lot of things that we want our residents to follow, and if they don't, then we have whatever accountability measures we have. At the city level, the citywide HOA comment has to do with an ordinance that comes in that is defining to someone how they can live, what they can do on their property, what they can vehicles they can park, and where they can park them, uh, the type of surfaces maybe in the front yard, whether they're impervious or not, or all the different types of things. They're very similar to what an HOA is trying to do as well, which is to try to have something where there's a common denominator for the majority. And sometimes that effort by, by the city to pass an ordinance, as was discussed last night, to control the private property, um, the parking of vehicles on private property, what someone can do based off of what a neighbor feels is appropriate or right. So if I live across the street from you and I don't like what you doing on your property, should I be able to call the city and have them come out and enforce a law 
that is preventing or limiting or restricting what you can do on your private property. Certainly there are boundaries here. There's Mm -hmm. something that makes good sense. Uh, There are egregious examples out there where individuals have, um, they just don't want to play nicely. Um, They can behave really badly. But by and large, people are good people. They want to cooperate. They want to get along. But they want to be able to do what they want to do on their private Mm -hmm. property. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have said, uh, whether in literature or verbally, a citywide HOA, it's not to be taken literally. The city can't make an HOA over the city. That's ridiculous, and most people know that. But they can pass ordinances mm-hmm. that have elements that act in the same way as an HOA can do or, or does. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, this is a- an absolutely fascinating issue. Uh, Kim Munson here talking with Ron Phelps running for Centennial City Council. We're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and let's have a conversation with Ron Phelps. He is running for Centennial City Council, and we're talking about something that is really important, how city councils can use ordinances and rules and regulations to control what people do on their property. And to come in with a new ordinance is changing the rules on how people bought their property. I I think that, you know, if you come in, as you mentioned, and you look at the CCNR and you, you understand what the rules are and you buy that property, okay, that's one thing. But then when people come in and use the force of government to change those rules, that's a whole other thing, Ron. It is. Well, and and I haven't thought this all the way through to, to make a really good persuasive type of uh, statement here, but the, the initial thought, the seed of it is to reverse it a little bit. So someone who lives in an HOA, and there are the restriction or, or the guidelines of color of paint and things like that that you can put on your home and your garage door and all those kinds of things. Well, now a new board is in place, right? Imagine this. And they decide, you know what? We're going to just strip that out of there. Mm-hmm. We don't care about that anymore, so we're just going to strip that out of there. So all the homeowners who came in and purchased a home with the understanding that HOA, that they're going to have this this guidelines or yeah, yeah for the visual for all the painting of all the homes to be that's now changed now how would they feel the rules changed in the middle of the game after they purchased their home so in centennial district one the area in which i'm running against an incumbent um, she is proposing 
uh, being able to change the rules on these people. And there were over two dozen people who showed up last night at city council to say, please don't do that. Well, they did. some of them weren't that nice. They were more direct and firm about it. But don't change things on us. If you want to limit what we can do with a recreational vehicle and, and parking on our private property, you're going to end up costing us anywhere from five to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and we can't afford that. We specifically chose this area because there are no covenants, etc. They made a lot of good, very good reasons. So, my campaign is much about uh, protecting and advocating for limited government. Uh, the principle of my campaign and the mantra, if you will, on my literature is neighbors first, city second. So as a neighbor, let's talk to one another. Mm-hmm. Let's try to be adults and not at the national level, as so many get nasty with one another. But instead, we're neighbors. Let's try to talk to one another. If we need the city to step in, there are those egregious uh, situations where certainly somebody needs to step in and help out. But by and large, I think if we can come together as a community and neighborhoods, neighbors first, city second, uh, I think we can keep government out of our lives and uh, we can maximize the quality of our life by being just friendly and good neighborly to one another. Well, and, and what you're talking about, Ron, is is really, really important. And and I, I'm still working to get my brain around this. I'm trying to trudge through this Blueprint Denver. It's 300 pages, oh if my. you can believe it, Yeah. Uh, of, of basically it's going to be pushing down on freedom of everyday people. And they're going to be using a lot of the rezoning laws to do that. And so once again, a rezoning... Uh, and, you know, I think this is one of the things that's happening out in Lakewood is uh, with that one, I think it was the 1% growth that, that passed. And people have been busy. They haven't really been going to city council, haven't been going to, to try to go to city council and all the boards and commissions just in your own town. It would be a full-time job. It would impatiently wait for the topic you're interested in to come up on the agenda. And, uh, and sometimes uh, that can be used by bureaucrats and politicians to just kind of make people tired. I mean, they may make them wait until the end of the meeting to, to talk, wear them out, to wear people out. So people are, 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 I think they assume that, and and we shouldn't, we should always keep an eye on government because they tax us and they spend our money. But what's happening out, I think in Lakewood, uh, because I'm a, I'm a, a private property gr- girl in free markets. However, I think that we have seen politicians and bureaucrats using public policy to push forward this agenda of multimodal transportation and uh, transit-orientated development, which would be these five- or six-story apartment buildings, ideally with retail on the bottom. They're not necessarily working out that great, but then not including enough parking in those particular uh, development projects. And so... People haven't given up their cars. What they've done then is they're parking them in the neighborhoods. And all of a sudden, the neighbors are going, wait a minute. This isn't what what we wanted. So they're starting to see the effects of public policy over the last 10 or 15 years. And all of a sudden, they're starting to show up and say, wait a minute. So what we need is people with far-reaching uh, vision to understand what could this rule or regulation actually do. And if you give something like a a citywide HOA using ordinances to control these neighborhoods, down the road there could be somebody that doesn't really believe in private property rights, and they could use that to really tap down the freedom of how people live their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you talk about the retail uh, development, and there's a... Uh, streets at South Glen. Uh, that's down Centennial. It's in my neighborhood in the district. Uh, formerly the South Glen Mall built back in the 70s was redeveloped about 12 years ago. Uh, a really nice 
uh, destination area. A lot of, lot of good shopping opportunities, retail restaurants. There's a theater there. Um, and in the last year, a redevelopment is being discussed and planned um, to where the anchor stores at either end, on the north end is Macy's, on the south end is Sears, both of the, the properties have been sold. The property underneath Macy's has been sold to the primary developer there, Alberta Development. And on the south end, Sears uh, went bankrupt, and, and a lot of their properties were sold off. Seven of them were purchased by a multifamily developer out of North Carolina, Northwood uh, Raven. Northwood Raven and Alberta came to City Council, Centennial City Council, in January with this vision that they would like to put in high density on that southern end. Uh, this symbiotic relationship idea concept was sold that with more individuals living there that would support the retail better and if that's supported better sales tax or higher isn't that great for everybody well the residents came together uh, a neighborhood group coalition was formed called neighbors for the streets at south glen um, that was formed at a civic association meeting that i attended people very upset about a first community meeting and from that uh, been able to get the developer involved where we've had some small group meetings with a developer um, I'm happy and, and have been humbled to be able to lead that group and pull that together. And we've been able to meet with a developer on multiple opportunities to talk about uh, amenities, to talk about concerns with traffic. Cut through traffic is a huge issue mm-hmm, down there. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet again uh, next week uh, where we're going to talk with the developer about the traffic study uh, that's about to be done. It'll be submitted to the developer, and we're going to have an opportunity to sit with the developer and really dissect that and try to understand what's the scope of work uh, that was done with that. So there's so much going on at the local level that individuals hopefully are paying attention. And if they're not, then to pay attention to who's running so you can support those people that support what you want. Mm-hmm. Now, would this require rezoning to do this? It would. So uh, this development has a master development plan. Uh, each municipality, uh, although I don't know them all, but I know that there are different approaches to development. And a city can define that in their land development code, how they want to approach a development and what their process is. In Centennial, at this particular property, there's a master development plan, which is the blueprint that's, that's over the entire development. And then as each store, block area, or lot area is developed, there's a site plan that's presented. So um, right now, there are height limitations that they would need to change to move forward with what they want to do. But fortunately, uh, the, these developers, they're listening. Um, over 400 people have come together in this neighborhood coalition group, um, and we've been able to uh, affect change uh, in the attitude and, and concept and vision for the developers. And they're, they're willing to try to work with us. And that's awesome. That's really good. So this is an example of Neighbors First uh, coming together, understanding the issue, not being an anti-group. Uh, we haven't been an anti-group like Lakewood. Um, I, I think principally that may not be the best way to go. I think that drives market up. Um, but we've come together to collaborate and advocate to be educated and understand what's going on so we can have an intelligent conversation with, with the developers in the city. Well, we do need to continue to have these conversations, as, and so great for you, great for you doing that. We're just about out of time, Ron Phelps. What is the, the last thought that you would like to uh, leave with people? And also, what is your website? Because I know, you know, running for office, there's, there's expenses to do that. So how can people help you out? Thank you. Yes, my website is, is my uh, first and last name. So it's www.ronphelps.com. And that's spelled R-O-N-P-H-E-L-P-S dot com. And uh, much of what I stand for and who I am uh, is there. And contributions in, in walking, supporting, or even financial help would be very much appreciated and can be done there. Okay, great. And uh, any final thought? 
No, I really appreciate being here. Thank you, Kim. Well, it is great to have you here. And again, everything is local. And first and foremost, we need to make sure that we are taking care and we're responsible for ourselves and for our families and then our communities. It goes all the way up there. But we need to start with ourselves and then uh, get involved in local government. And Ron Phelps, it is so important what you are doing. I would encourage others to step forward. I served for four years. I learned a lot. I think everybody should step up and do something for a period of time to to serve our, our um, communities and make sure that we are protecting freedom, protecting this vision of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So it's great to have you here, Ron Phelps. Thank you. So our quote for today is John Dickinson, one of the founders. He says, honor justice and humanity. Call upon us to hold and to transmit to our posterity that liberty which we received from our ancestors. It is not our duty to leave wealth to our children, but it is our duty to leave liberty to them. Just a quick note. It's not necessary that government is making sure that they're creating sales tax, but make sure that they are passing liberty on to their kids. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Like a new moon rising fierce.